It's time for the Drive's Top 4 at 4. Welcome back. Hour number two of the drive underway here on Fan Run Radio. We send things back now to the White Claw Hard Shelter Studios. Marcus Young standing by at the top four at four. Marcus, what do you got? Thank you, Russell. At number one, tomorrow, 4 p.m. on ESPN, you will see the number nine Tennessee Volunteers taking on the LSU Tigers. We'll be on the road in Baton Rouge, but we need to see Tennessee break that streak. Yeah, five in a, five losses in a row for Tennessee at LSU, and man, you don't get them this year. I think that guy down there is a pretty good coach. He doesn't have a lot to work with. It doesn't sound like this year. So, if you're going to break that streak, now would probably be a pretty good time when you've got the number two team in the country according to the net rankings. And LSU is down. So hopefully Tennessee can get that done again. We'll be with you. Voluntary reaction tipping off at about 6 p.m. as soon as the game is over tomorrow. At number two, uh, we have NFL playoff games happening this weekend. Four total, two tomorrow and two on Sunday. Starting off, we've got the Jaguars that will be visiting the Kansas City Chiefs at 4.30. Later, you have the Giants versus the Eagles at 8.15 tomorrow in a divisional matchup. Then on Sunday, you have the Bengals versus the Bills at 3, and the Cowboys and 49ers at 6.30 on Sunday evening. Uh, I'm honestly looking at a couple upsets myself. Russ, I don't know about you. I'm looking at Giants upsetting the Eagles and the Bengals taking on the Bills. You think the Bengals are going to win in Buffalo? I do. Wow. I have this weird feeling. Put Joe some Burrow. Money on it. Oh, I Put am. Put some money on it. And I, okay. And if I lose it, like I do every other time, I'll be sad. I, I I like all the favorites to win this weekend. I like the Jags and the Giants to cover. So I, I guess the I like the underdogs on, on Saturday to cover. But uh, I, I do think the favorites win all four of those games. I, I think the last one is the most interesting. The um, Cowboys, according to the ESPN FPI, have a 53.2% chance to win that game in San Francisco, and yet the 49ers are a four-point favorite, according to FanDuel. So, uh, pretend, uh, you know, some potential value there if you are looking to place a friendly wager on a game this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, number three, uh, Michigan has fired their co-offensive coordinator, Matt Weiss, amid the computer access crimes investigation. They made the announcement today that uh, Matt Weiss, who is under investigation by University Police for, quote, a report of computer access crimes, has been fired from his position. You know anything more about what exactly was going on there? So, uh, according to a statement by the athletic director, Ward Manuel, he said that the termination came, quote, after a review of university policies. The statement added that the school would not go into further comment, though. So, no. <laughs> so, yeah, no to, no to that. But they, they um, believe he was fired for cause. I'm sure we'll probably hear, hear a little bit more soon. Yeah, well, opening on Jim Harbaugh's staff there, not exactly going great. You know, Since they make the playoffs, they win the Big Ten Championship, smash Ohio State, and uh, win the Big Ten Championship. And then since then, they've lost to TCU, kind of an embarrassing loss for them. Um, you've got the Harbaugh NCAA thing. They're in this weird standoff where he won't admit that he lied. And now you've got this on top of it all. That's 
not exactly going swimmingly in Ann Arbor right now. I think he should have done the Pete Carroll and uh, dipped for the NFL when he had the chance. But I don't think he uh, got any offers. I thought, I thought he interviewed with Carolina, but maybe yeah, maybe they didn't offer him though. Uh, and finally, number four, uh, our new GM for the Tennessee Titans, Russ, had his press conference today. Rand Carthen had uh, some really good points. He talked about the running back position, that he still believes Derrick Henry is a centerpiece. His key word was collaboration. As he talked about, him and Mike Vrabel will be working together, not for one another. And also says that he has a lot more draft experience than his past led on, including a fun story that was uh, reported by Ian Rappaport saying that when he was like 9 or 10, he would get like those magazines and do his own little mock drafts. Say that again. He he would do his own mock drafts. Yeah, he'd get like those magazines that would show like the different colleges, like college players heading into the draft, and he would make his own mock drafts as a kid. So this is kind of a, you know, maybe that maybe that's a good sign going forward. He's been wanting to do this for a very long time. So you're all in on Rand Carthon. I liked his press conference, man. It was he he brings some really great energy about him, and and he's got me excited. He won the press conference with Marcus. I haven't, I haven't watched or listened to it yet. I need to go back and do that. I'll do that this weekend, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical. The buzzword for him was collaboration, like I said. So you, he's, he's all about working as a team, not only with the coaching staff, but his staff as a whole. So he, I, I, that, we talked about this, too. That was something that Amy Shrunk had kind of said that like, kind of seemed like the, part of the reason John was let go was that there was a lot of uh, like a lack of that. So... He's won her over. Well, he'll be judged by picks. He'll be judged by draft picks and and uh, free agency signings, and we'll we'll see what happens moving forward with the Titans. But I'm gonna be interested to hear what Lucas says about it coming up here in hour number three. Obviously, they're a lot closer to it, follow it day to day a lot closer than we do. So we'll see if he can sell me on it. If he's down on the hire as well, that's a really bad sign. Thank you. Thank you, Lucas. Appreciate it. Marcus. Portions of our show today brought to you by our friends at Jets Pizza. Had a few pieces earlier today for a late lunch right before the show. We've got some uh, down here for you. If you want to come by and sample it for yourself, uh, we will hook it up. I believe they gave us some of the Aloha barbecue chicken pizza as well down here. I had just the plain pepperoni, but... Aloha barbecue chicken, barbecue sauce, premium mozzarella, grilled chicken, pineapple, and bacon. Very unique flavor there. They've got a bunch of different specialty pizzas you can choose from online. You can go find Jet's Pizza. We go to the one here in Farragut, 11124 Kingston Pike, right next door to the Shrimp Dock, just up the street from National Law Rex. And you could get it delivered tonight or perhaps tomorrow night for a little post-game meal while you're listening to Voluntary Reaction, just call 865-675-0505 to have it delivered. And uh, they asked me once again to remind you they are looking for more delivery drivers at Jets Pizza. So if you want to make a few extra bucks, they pay well above the industry average for delivery drivers out there at Jets. And you can get paid to drive around and listen to Fan Run Radio all day. Pretty cool gig. Tell them we sent you. Our number, if you want to jump up with us here this afternoon, 865-546-8200, 546-8200, your number, 
to get on board the Big Orange Phillies phone lines this afternoon as we are talking Tennessee hoops tomorrow. Little uh, Nico talk there in hour number one. Really interesting article I was reading uh, by Bruce Feldman on The Athletic earlier today. And uh, some of these numbers absolutely blew my mind. So we always talk about stars in recruiting, right? You mm-hmm. want four stars and five stars. And this is really interesting. On this year's NFL PA All-Pro team, none of the 11 offensive players selected had been a five-star recruit. None of them. Only one of them, guard Zach Martin, was even ranked as a four-star prospect. The average star ranking of the 11 players was 2.0. So some of the offensive guys on the NFLPA All-Pro team like weren't even ranked coming out of high school. That's interesting. Isn't it, though? Yeah. Now here's where it gets even more interesting. And this is just bizarre to me. It's the exact opposite on the other side of the ball, where stars apparently really matter. Of the 11 defensive players on the All-Pro team, seven had been five-star recruits, and two more of them were four-star recruits. So that's nine out of the 11 were blue chippers. The other two were three-star players, making the average of 4.5 stars per, per player on the defensive side of the ball. And apparently, it's been like that for a couple. It's been trending that way for a couple of years. It's not just an aberration. Huh. What does that tell you? What, what do you read into that? The star rankings for defensive players is a little bit more accurate. A little bit more accurate, a little bit more important, I guess. I think the the takeaway was like defensive linemen in particular, like they tend to nail that projection yeah. in the recruiting rankings. I guess if you see a dude who's like six foot four, two hundred and eighty pounds in high school and can really run, and so yeah, that guy generally is going to turn out to be a pretty good player. But I, I've noticed this for years, Bear, on the offensive side of the ball, on, on the offensive line in particular, not so much at the skill positions. Although you're seeing a lot more of these Trey Lances and uh, Josh um, Allens, Mahomes, you know, guys who weren't highly touted right. become the stars at the quarterback position. But the offensive line in the NFL just – you know, go through any roster and you'll see dudes just littered with guys who played at Central Michigan and New Mexico and Miami of Ohio and Division II schools. Yeah, there's really no rhyme or re- The offensive lineman is always baffling to me. I mean, we've had our fair share of four and five star linemen that never really panned out, didn't live up to their ranking, but. It's not too often you get a – we've had five-star defensive linemen that haven't lived up to their billing. Well, and I guess if you're looking for a positive slant on this through orange-colored glasses, it's that one of the criticisms we've heard of Tennessee recruiting is that the offensive line recruiting from a star power standpoint is not – like. I don't think we've gotten any five-stars under Heupel yet. Was the last five-star offensive line prospect we had Darnell Wright? Uh, believe so. <clears throat> that that's been a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I like mean, I don't even know we've had that many four stars. So, but but I mean we we all like Ellerby so far, right? I mean I feel like he's done a pretty good job, and 
Yeah, I mean, he's the first O line coach we've had here in a while that hasn't been under constant criticism. I mean, that was one of the things that kind of flew under the radar this season because everybody was in uh, awe of you know our offensive numbers. We don't put up those numbers without um, having one of the best offensive lines in the conference. I mean, Hendon very rarely got hit. And then even at the skill position, I, you know, I, I would say the the best receiver has been Hyatt. I guess he won the Blitnikoff Award, so you got to say he's been the best receiver the two years. But it, you know, he probably wouldn't have won that award if Tillman hadn't been hurt and and we hadn't featured him so much. Like Cedric Tillman has probably been the star, you know, he, o- over two years in that offense, mm-hmm. and he was an afterthought like I think he might have been a two-star coming out of Bishop Gorman he was a guy that Pruitt literally took a flyer on like the last day of recruiting we were like who's this guy that they're they added him at the end not much was expected and he's turned out to be you know right up there with Hyatt the best receiver we've had here in the last four or five years well for sure I somebody's gonna get a hell of a deal on Cedric Tillman in the draft it's not like he had a knee I mean he just had a really bad ankle uh, high high ankle sprain. That thing will be he'll be good to go uh, in time for probably many you know many camp at the latest. And somebody's going to get a you know get a deal. Kind of hoping it's the Titans, but we'll see. Then you look at Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, and I, hey, give Pruitt and those guys credit that they, they recruited them. Um, Dylan Sampson. None of those three had. Alabama or Georgia offers, right? Hmm. I think we we stole small away from Ole Miss. Sampson was not recruited by LSU, even though he's right up the road. And um, Jalen Wright, I don't think the the Blue Bloods were beating on the door to to sign him either. And and they've been good running backs here at Tennessee. So uh, just really interesting. You can go read that article again, Bruce Feldman on the Athletic, writing about the disparity between. Uh, high school star rankings on the NFL All-Pro offensive and defensive teams. Again, no five stars on this year's NFL All-Pro offensive team. Only one four-star. And then uh, the opposite on the defensive side where you had um, seven five-stars and then two more four-stars. That's I, for one, will be paying – to me, it just says pay more attention to the defensive side when you when you talk about the star rankings in recruiting. Bring me more four- and five-star defensive linemen. Bring me more four- and five-star everything, of course, but particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive linemen, defensive backs, that's what we need. Let's go to the phones, 865-546-8200, your number, to get on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines, and we'll go to Phil – Good afternoon, Phil. You're on the drive. It's Fan Run Radio. What do you say, David? Hey, man. How's it going? How you bearing uh, Marcus doing? Doing well, thanks. Hope you are, too. Uh, hanging in. We got some sunshine out, finally. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, as Mr. Rogers would say. Now, you're sitting there talking about these uh, five stars. Uh, it's uh, kind of amazing, isn't it, that uh, Tennessee's done what they've done on offense with lower-ranked players. Well, but, I mean, you look at 
I mean, this this metric we're talking about seems to indicate that maybe star power isn't as important on offense. So it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Yeah, they haven't had a ton of four and five stars on the offensive side of the ball, but in the NFL anyway, it doesn't look like you need it. Well, yeah, and usually it seems like there's more bus on the offensive side than there are uh, on the defensive side. When you bring recruits in, it seems like uh, how many five stars has Tennessee brought over here over the years that never did anything? Yeah, it's been quite a few. Uh, and they stand out, you know, when you the, – the busts stand out almost more than the, the guys that, that make it. I would be interested to see – you know what those numbers are like for other schools as well, because it feels like Tennessee has an abnormal high number of five-star busts for sure. Remember Brian Darden, don't you? Oh yeah, way back in the day. Yeah, he's supposed to be the greatest thing since Jack Webb, and he, didn't, he never did anything. We're Chris Donald out of Huntington a couple years ago. Yeah, that's true. We had Ben Martin, defensive end from. I want to say up in Illinois somewhere, and, and he had injury well, issues, wow. so you cut him a little bit of slack, but he was a big one that never panned out. Also, a lot of these five stars are coddled, and they're as good as they're going to be in high school, and they didn't get no better. Well, that was another, yeah, that's uh, that Feldman article actually started out talking about Josh Jacobs, who led the NFL in rushing this year. And, of course, he went to Alabama, but he was, like, again, he was a guy they took a flyer on right at the end, a three-star guy whose only offers were, like, to Tulsa, and I think Missouri was sniffing around, and Alabama took him late. And they said, like, his attitude, he was the only player in their signing class that, uh, like, didn't ask about, um, you know, competition, like who else was at their – who else was on the depth chart at their position? And they said he just wanted to come in and compete and, you know, didn't have a chip on his shoulder, didn't have handlers, didn't have a big attitude or anything like that, just went to work, and he turned out to be better than the five-star player they signed at running back that year. You mean he didn't ask for a Dodge Charger? <laughs> well, he might, I mean, he probably got one once, once he got there and started producing, yeah. but. Well, tomorrow's a big game, uh there's not many chances you get to go to Baton Rouge and have a chance of winning, and then uh, Will Wade's gone, so this is a game. It's a very winnable game. It's a take-care-of-business game, Phil. Just go down there. It doesn't have to be pretty. I'm sure there's going to be a, at least one four- or five-minute drought offensively where it looks like we can't throw it in the ocean, but just grind them up, suffocate them with your defense, and get out of there with the W. Uh, speaking of Will Wade, I heard he's living in Chattanooga now. Uh, is there any way they can rehab him and have him ready when Barnes retires? That's what I'm, I'm telling you, man. What, what did I say, Bear, about uh, Chris Beard down there at Texas? Rick Barnes, the deacon, needs to start a Saban-like basketball coaching re- rehabilitation program. You bring you – now, Will Wade probably has a show cause. Like, I don't know if you could – even if you wanted to bring him in. But if you, if you could, theoretically – you know, hire him as a GA or something. Just have him around and show him the error of his ways. Rebuild him from the bottom up. Turn him into a respectable citizen and basketball coach. I'm with you, Phil. Yeah, not only that, uh, I'd like to see uh, Will Wade coach offense and Rick Barnes. A little bit of a cheap shot there. Well, I mean, 
Fred Barnes, you can play a great deal all you want to. He comes in, you got you to score enough points to win. That's, that's the bottom line. When you get in this NCAA tournament, especially when you advance, these teams are scoring points to advance. Look at last year. High-scoring you know, games. Aside from the Kentucky game, it's been pretty good in SEC play, hasn't it, by and large? Well, it's been – yeah, it's been okay. But we're getting to meet the schedule now. And, uh, you know, Kentucky is the fifth-best team in the SEC, and we lost to them. And we still got Buck Pearl. We still got uh, Alabama and Nate Oates. And we got Texas A&M uh, on the horizon. We play them down there. So, uh, well, uh, you're going to Tyreek Key out there at point guard, then uh, good luck. Well, we'll see. Got to get better. Got to get better. And um, I don't think this is ever going to be an offensive juggernaut, but they can be good enough. You just can't uh, – uh, you worry that they're going to have the day they had against Kentucky in March. It's, it is what it is, Phil. Well, really the key is uh, uh, Julian Phillips. If, uh, yep. if, if he can play like Kenny Chandler did at the, in the last uh, – 15 games of the year like Kennedy did, then we'll be in good shape. But that remains to be seen if that happens or not. Yep. I mean, he he can take over. He's probably the one guy that can get any shot he wants, but he's got to start showing some consistency before we all start believing, I think. That's true. But he does have talent. And hopefully he don't play too good so he'll come back for another year. Well, that's the that's the double-edged sword, though. You wanted to play like if we want to win a championship this year, you need him playing well enough to where he's not going to be able to come back next year. So I just kind of that's what I hope. Kind of double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Rip Mars might play him in the second round, though. See ya. Two shots at Rick Barnes today from Phil, both unwarranted, both cheap. And and not a word, you'll notice, not a word about the Lady Vols' 18-point win over Florida last night, Bear. Undefeated Jolly SEC. Improved. She's 7-0 and in conference play. Unbeaten, never lost. Florida Gators come in here and, and got stomped last night. She's doing a good job. Down her best player. Stay with us. The drive continues on Fan Run Radio. More of your phone calls coming up after the break. Stay tuned. More Fan Run Radio coming up. Fan Run Radio. The drive continues live today at National Law Rex in Farragut. Approaching the halfway point of today's show. Overtime coming up next from 6 until 8 on many of these fan-run affiliates. We go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone line. ZR is next. Good afternoon, ZR. What's going on, guys? Hey, ZR. How are you, sir? We are a week out from Kentucky, and I'm still mad. Not over it yet? Are you? No, not really. 
you got to move forward. What are you going to do? Live in the past your rest of uh, the season? Can't do it. Do you not agree with that? What's that? We looked like a pile of trash. Would you not agree with that? Um, I I think you're being a little bit harsh. We didn't look good. Didn't play our best game by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Tyreek Key played about 40 minutes and had five points. Is that good enough to get it done? He didn't play 40 minutes. He played a lot, I'll tell you that. He played so much, I threw up. He played, I mean, Vescovy was hurt. They've got others on the bench, don't they? Yes. So, you know, I mean, I'm still mad about it. And I think Rick Barnes will be fired for it. Oh, stop. Don't you really? No, really. I mean, he's going to get in the NCAA tournament, and he'll be out the first weekend. Would you not agree with that? Well, you don't know. I don't know. You don't I, know? It's are, gone on for 14 years with him. 14 years? Same Where'd you get that thing, number? thing, over and over. ZR, oh, you, you're just making God. noise come out of your mouth. You, you sound ridiculous. You're unhinged. And he's gone. I mean, good grief. You try and start out nice and be kind and polite to the guy, and then he just starts flailing around aimlessly. He's not doing real well right now. No, he's not. I mean, what? Having a pretty good show. I mean, so far, uh, the dumbest comment of the show was probably – Rick Butler saying that the Cowboys are a train that cannot be stopped. And then ZR rolls in and just, I mean, he makes Butler sound like Einstein. Yeah. I mean, we were in the Sweet 16 in the 28-2019 season. Don't try and bring facts in here. I, I like four, it's been going on for 14 years. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was looking up. I was like, I don't think that. Where did he get the 14 number? I don't know. There's no telling with him. He's Folks, do, uh, do do the minimal amount of research before you call. We don't ask for much, but I don't know, just a, a cursory glance at the Internet. I mean, we've all got computers in our pockets now. You don't have to come on here and uh, make absolutely zero sense. Tyreek Key played 40 minutes. You know, I mean, good grief, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? Hey, kind of off topic. Uh, with Carol Baskin's husband, is he missing or is he not? Have you been following this story, Bear? No, I never watched any. I have just a very limited knowledge of her and all that stuff. I didn't watch that. Marcus, have you been following the Carol Baskin ex-husband story? I know that apparently he's been found alive. Well, that's what she's saying. But local authorities are saying that he is still missing. Oh. Despite Carol Baskin's claims, her ex-husband, Jack Don Lewis, man with three first names, is still considered to be missing by local authorities. Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office telling Fox News Digital yesterday, quote, we have not received any communication from our federal partners that confirms the location of missing person, Mr. Don Lewis. Spoke. Spokesperson for the Florida Sheriff's Office commented after Baskin made shocking claims that her ex-husband is, quote, alive and well in Costa Rica. A 
Authorities confirmed that Lewis is still missing, uh, listed as a, quote, missing endangered adult, and their missing person case for him is still active. Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office noted that Baskin's allegation that their office had received documents from Homeland Security notifying them that they found her ex in Costa Rica, quote, has not happened, and Lewis is still missing. Why would you draw attention to it? Well, why would you why would you say the guy who's been declared dead is still alive if he hasn't been found? I don't know. She's nuts, man, from what I can tell. Is she not? I mean, you guys know more about it than I do. I think that You call me old-fashioned. I, I think that when you when you fake your own death, you you got to go all the way. You got to play it out to the end. You got to do it like Andy Kaufman, or Elvis, Hitler, you, Tupac. You can't be, you, yeah, Tupac. You can't be coming back and uh, reappearing years later. All those guys are dead, though. Joe Exotic claimed that Baskin was responsible for Lewis's death. The uh, original uh, Joe Exotic, uh, the, the Tiger King series on Netflix a couple of years ago, it certainly made it sound like she had killed him graveyard dead and fed him to her tigers. But she's saying that he's still out there right now. He was, went missing in 1997, was declared dead by authorities. Baskin's never been charged with a crime related to the cold case, spent much of 2020 releasing statements refuting the accusations made in the series by her chief rival, Joe Exotic, also known as Joseph Maldonado Passage. Hmm. So the truth remains out there regarding uh, Carol Baskin's ex-husband. Is that wasn't the guy that was about the, the show was about? No. Who was that the guy? Show- Joe Exotic. Oh. Yeah, he's in prison now. I feel like if... I feel like you should only have to make one statement and just like, yeah, he's... He, he just disappeared. He's dead. I don't know what's... I don't know why they're saying this. And then just leave it at that. The fact that she keeps kind of bringing the attention to it makes it even seem more likely that she had something to do with it. Well... She's under a lot of scrutiny now, you know, and, and she wants people to think that he's still alive because then they don't think that she killed him. But if you're going to say that he's alive when he's been declared dead, you got to have some sort of proof, right? I don't know. That's a postcard. Picture. Yeah. DNA evidence. Forensics, something of that nature. I'd like that proof because I, I. Not saying that the documentary completely swayed me, but when it came to her in particular, it, it completely swayed me on my, my thoughts of her. People don't go missing whole. I, I know it happens, and we've all been to the post office. We've seen the pictures, right? I know, but, but uh, I mean, that's a very, very rare. When you talk about a nation of approaching 400 million people, 
you don't, you don't see many, uh, p- particularly adults, just go missing and then you never hear from them again. No, not too often. Definitely not adult men. No. Who are high profile and zoo chiefs, business owners, things like that. Yeah, that's, where, out. that's where she got most of her money, right? Was through him. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very suspicious. Very suspicious, as I recall. Remains very suspicious to this day. When we continue, we'll find out who's on the docket. Brought to you by Fox and Farmer, the Car Wreck Pro Attorneys. Your Friday afternoon edition of The Drive continues. It's Fan Run Radio. Stay with us. We're back with more right after this. The docket brought to you by Fox and Farmer, the Car Wreck Pro Attorneys, University of Central Florida football player Justin Hodges has been dismissed from the team According to UCF Athletics today in a statement to Channel 9, the athletics department said, quote, per university policy, the UCF student conduct process will be initiated. Hodges and 21-year-old Nevea Mosher have been arrested in connection with a home invasion in downtown Orlando. Not the kind of headlines you want with your football team. Good Lord. Police responded to the apartment on West Church Street on January 9th for a home invasion robbery. The victim said several unknown men with masks and firearms barged into his apartment, battered him, and threatened him with their guns in an extremely violent manner. They stole his phone and recording equipment before leaving. Lock him up. That's terrifying, man. I don't... There's not much... Anything that would scare me more than that. I mean... It's a home invasion. Well, and you've got, I mean, it's UCF. Granted, it's not Alabama, but, you know, this this kid on the Alabama basketball team, you're on you're on scholarship playing football at UCF. It's a pretty big deal, right? I mean, yeah, they're playing D1 football. You've got so much going for you. What are you doing? Playing major college football. Engaging in violent criminal activity. Just stupid. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what to say to that other than, you know, hope he gets a good lawyer. It sounds like he's going to be spending some time in the, uh, what do they call it, the Gray Bar Hotel? Yeah, I mean, you're going to be going to prison now. Your football career is over. It's probably going to be hard to get back into school once you go. Uh, you it's going to be hard to get back away. into life. For what? Uh, to steal a phone and some recording equipment? Unbelievable. Yeah. Michigan has uh, fired its co-offensive coordinator, Matt Weiss. Talked about this a little bit yesterday here on the docket. He's gone now. He's under investigation by university police for a, quote, report of computer access crimes at the school's football facility. Still don't know exactly what he was doing on these computers, but he's been the co-coordinator at Michigan for one season and, um, has been at the school for two years now and went to the playoff both years. Uh, we'll see what happens here, but you got to think he's going to be hard to fire until we get some, uh, or hire, excuse me, until we get some clarity on what exactly happened with him up there at Michigan. He shared play calling duties on offense this season, was co coordinator. They had a really, you know, record setting year, 39 years old. 
kind of up and comer in the coaching profession, and now his entire career is thrown into a state of flux. His firing is expected to be for cause, and there's a clause in his contract that includes, quote, for cause firings for both conviction of a felony along with a conduct clause for morality. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's going to be really hard for that guy, given those uh, just what the, like you said, until we find, until we find out more. And, I mean, it, it depends on what he was, whose email he was getting into and why. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, across the pond, former Brazilian international soccer star Danny Alves has been charged with sexual assault and ordered by a Spanish judge to be held without bail. After appearing in court on Friday, 39-year-old is accused of assaulting a woman in a nightclub in Barcelona in December. Be a huge story over there. He's a very good player for the Brazilian national team and for Barca for a long time. Danny Alves arrested and in Spanish prison this afternoon. That is the docket brought to you by Fox and Farmer, the Car Wreck Pro attorneys. Check them out online at foxandfarmer.com. You could set up a free consultation. Doesn't cost a dime to sit down with them, discuss your case, discuss your options. Remember, at Fox and Farmer, they don't get paid unless you get paid. So what do you got to lose? Give them a ring at 865-531-9400. Tell them Fan Run Radio sent you, 531-9400. Or just go online to foxandfarmer.com. That's Fox and Farmer, the Car Wreck Pro attorneys. Russell Bear and Marcus cruising with you here on a Friday, Friday, Friday afternoon edition of the show getting ready for a big sports weekend hopefully and uh, we will see we will see what tennessee brings tomorrow to baton rouge in a game that they need to not lose more than they need to win quite frankly we'll have voluntary reaction with you on the twitter spaces machine as soon as it is over Tweet from Chris Lowe, ESPN, earlier today. He says, remember when stopping the run was a staple in the SEC? Seven SEC teams a year ago finished 89th or worse nationally out of 131 FBS teams in run defense. Ole Miss at 89, Arkansas at 94, Vanderbilt at 96, Auburn at 97, Florida was 100th. South Carolina, 117, and Texas A&M, 123. It's interesting, you know, everybody rags on Jimbo Fisher and he needs to relinquish the offense and modernize there. Um, You know, they weren't an offensive juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination, but I would venture to guess that being 123 out of 131 FBS teams in run defense was just as big, if not bigger, a problem than anything they had going on on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Where did we finish in that? I, I mean, we were actually pretty good. I want top thirty, maybe like twenty four, twenty five, something like that. Yeah. Our pass defense is horrendous, but yeah, I'd say that has more to do with their problems down there. I mean, they they didn't really have very good quarterback play at A and M, but um, at South Carolina, one man that just still sticks in my craw, dude. We we were running the ball down their throat too, but we just had to abandon it because we couldn't stop anything and got behind multiple scores. Yeah, defense had just shown up just a little bit. Could have won that game, went to the playoff. But hey, hey, 
What can you do? Water under the bridge. No sense in whining about it now. This from SEC Mike on Twitter. Number of SEC players that left their program for another Power 5 program during the first transfer portal window. So most, most, not just most transfers who left, most transfers lost to other Power 5 programs. Pretty interesting stat, right? Because these are guys that can play a little bit. Yeah. A&M led the league. They lost 13. They lost like Alabama. half of that highly touted recruiting class, didn't they? It's a good chunk, yeah. Alabama and Florida were next at 10. Arkansas with 8. LSU with 7. Ole Miss with 6. Tennessee and Mississippi State each had 5. Kentucky and Georgia each had 4. Carolina and Mizzou each had three. Vanderbilt had two. Auburn had one. So who were our five that okay, ended up going to other Power Five programs? Oh, other Power Fives? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, Holiday? Holid- the Jimmies, Holiday and Callaway. Yeah. Um, Walker Merrill? Walker Merrill. Three receivers, man. Gets back to that uh, athletic oh, thing about oh, stars not uh, mattering that much on the offensive side as opposed to the defensive side. My, my pick to click, the running back. Justin. Uh, Justin Thomas. Yeah. Four. Williams. And then. There was a D lineman, wasn't there? Oh, it was an offensive lineman. Did we lose an offensive lineman? It was an offensive lineman. I can't remember which one of them it was. This is going to drive me crazy. I'm going to try to figure this out. No, 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 no. It was was it? Uh, it was the defensive lineman from Orlando, um, Jordan. Went to Maryland, right? Oh, okay. He he was the one guy that we were kind of bummed to lose. Yeah, he's up there with Loxley. Even, even though we can't remember his name now. <laughs> Michael Loxley. <laughs> These guys get hit the portal, and then uh, it's just like that. They are gone and forgotten. I saw Alabama picked up uh, a kid from Georgia, one of their linebackers. They're just trading players back and forth now. Yeah, sounds like it. Oh, uh, Taven Jackson went to Indiana. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask. Shout out to Rusty for that one. I want to ask about that. Taven, he didn't even like say good. I didn't see anything on his Twitter or Instagram about like. Nah, he's deuces. He just left. He yeah. didn't say anything about it. So you had. Does that hurt you a little bit, Marcus? You feel left out? Well, it's just like most people. Like, I think even like Walker Merrill, who was not here and didn't do a whole lot, like put something out there. Like well, he did more than Taven Jackson. I guess. I mean, so you've got I, – I do have a list, by the way. So you have Taven Jackson. Juwan Mitchell's in the portal. will probably head somewhere. I would imagine a power five. Then you've got R.J. Uh, Perry, the offensive tackle that Bear was talking about, went to uh, UCF. So well, that's not power five. Are they not power yeah, five? Yeah, Holiday. Did Holiday five. go to UCF too? Callaway went to Louisville, right? Yeah, one of them went to Louisville and one of them went to UCF. Callaway went to Louisville, and Holiday went to uh, Western Kentucky. 
Western Kentucky, UCF, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like UCF's a better. And then uh, <laughs> Justin William Thomas went to Cal. No, he went to Cal and then he went to Stanford, right? Or was it the other way around? Oh, good question. I'm just looking at 247. It shows him going to Cal. but Yeah, I think he, he went to Stanford and then he's like, no, go to Cal. It's not like either one's that much better than the other. 865-546-8200, your number to get on the program with us this afternoon. Titans Joe on Twitter says, we couldn't pump our gas when we got gas to fill up our rental in Boston. When was that? I mean, it sounds like recently. Because according to my research, the only state that still has that law is New Jersey. Joyzy. I don't know, man. I'd feel a little bit emasculated to have somebody else pumping my gas. I think I did it one time. Had to do the full service thing. You're just sitting there. Well, some other guy, I mean, what if he messes up? Like I said earlier, what if he puts a little diesel in there? Yes, but they're unleaded, and he puts the premium plus in. I, I didn't care at that point. I'd had, uh, that was when I'd had, like, major surgery on my foot and just pulled in and was like, you know what? I don't feel like getting out of the car. My foot's throbbing. So I pulled up Baird, full you have service. Any thoughts on uh, Chelsea signing Noni Maduki out of the transfer portal today from PSV Eindhoven? He's got a funny name. That's about all I think about it. Dropping some coin on these footballers, Bear. Coming for you. Shh. Coming for you. Well, better try hard. Noel got rid of the battle axe. And his his focus is going to be on the two things it needs to be on, the Man City Football Club and Oasis. After all, what else is there? According to those guys, not much. I wonder how much that's going to cost him. What the divorce laws are like over there. How about... This number for you, courtesy of CBS Sports, Jalen Hurts joins an elite group. Quarterbacks to win 14-plus games in a regular season within their first three NFL seasons. He's the third to ever do it, joining Dan Marino in 1984, the legendary Phillip Rivers in 2006, and now Jalen Hurts. He's been kind of a, a surprise. Like, I did not see him playing at this level in, in the NFL. I, I really didn't. Neither did I. I thought that Tua would be so much better than him, and he might have been if it not for Tua's the concussion tiny. issues, yeah. which may or may not end his career prematurely. But, yeah, he just hurts standing on his own. Like, I, I did not – yeah, I – because, I mean, he, he lost his job to Tua at Bama because he wasn't accurate enough throwing the ball. And if He's, you're not accurate enough to hold on to your job in college, then what's going to happen in the NFL? But he's been fantastic. Yeah. Landed in the perfect spot. And we'll see if he can stay healthy, but 
Big game for them coming up this weekend. Stay tuned. The Drive Fan Run Radio. We've got a third hour headed your way next. Right after this, live today, National Rx. Stay with us. <laughs> 